Well, what will you do about lunch? I thought I'd go to Michelle's. Ever heard of it? Michelle's? Oh, it's a lovely place. We used to go there. That was years ago. Well, uh, how about you and I going there today? You and... Uh, to Michelle? Oh, no, no, I couldn't. Why not? Well, Surely you don't think Henry would mind. Oh, I'd explain to him to be just... Oh, no, 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 it isn't that, but... Well, you see, Matilda's off Christmas shopping, and so I have to look after Debbie. Well, here's Matilda now. Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Araslin. I'm David Daw. And this week, we are closing out the 1947 nominees with The Bishop's Wife. Starring Cary Grant. Yeah. And this movie does what it says on the box and yet is so much less engaging than I would think that that would be. (laughs) It's less engaging than you'd think it would be. It is also just that in a hundred guesses, if you gave me this title and told me Cary Grant was the lead, I would not come up with... Cary Grant is a literal angel from heaven that decides he wants to fuck a bishop's wife. (laughs) Right. And again, though, this is less than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because when you tell me that, I think, oh, okay, well, at least it's going to be interesting or compelling. And I, I think really what this movie is kind of going for... Uh, And I don't know why, because this movie didn't do commercially well when it initially came out, but it's kind of like they wanted to have their own It's a Wonderful Life, and it somehow learns all the wrong lessons from It's a Wonderful Life. Well, it does that thing that I find very annoying, where, like, because Cary Grant is an angel... Sometimes he says stuff that's like actually like, oh, this is insightful or this really helps somebody out. And then sometimes he just says things that are like they are insightful, where it's just like, oh, I could never go in that hat store. If you think about it, we're all inside hat stores. And it's like, no, we're, what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> that's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, there's just so much in this movie that doesn't make very much sense at all. There's some charming stuff in it. I think one of the major issues is that when you put Cary Grant in the role of an angel, you have already ruined your movie. (laughs) Yeah. Cannot imagine anyone, not even just miscast, but just so cruelly underused because none of his charm is that. At all? No. Did you read the production note that, in fact, David Niven, who plays the bishop whose wife, Cary Grant, decides he wants to bang, uh, was originally cast to play the angel, but then because of some studio loan shuffling, Cary Grant came in and Cary Grant went, actually, I'm the angel now, David Niven. Fuck off. God, that explains so much. (laughs) That just explains the entire ruination of this film. Because, first of all, David Niven is awful. No, he's terrible. It's the worst. I mean, he may be a very good actor, but he is absolutely unlikable with no redeeming qualities. 
to the point that his redemption is not only unbelievable, but infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> but we should go through the plot so people understand what the hell it is that we're talking about. Yeah, I've got a, like, two-minute version. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you need any more than that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, So Cary Grant plays a literal angel who is going around performing miracles, 90% of which seem to be avoiding car accidents. Three or four times it happens in this film. Yeah. It's wild. But it comes to his attention that there is a priest named Henry Brown. Brown? Doesn't fucking matter. He's just the bishop. Yeah. This bishop is looking to get a cathedral built. And that has become his singular obsession to the point where he is neglecting his wife. And Cary Grant comes in and goes, hey, I'm a literal angel. I'm going to help you. And I'm your new assistant for getting this cathedral built. He then spends the next hour and change flirting with the bishop's wife. Just going on dates with her. I mean, most of this movie is them going on dates. And they're cute dates, I guess. But like, what am I supposed to get from this? Right. (laughs) Other than, wow, she really should not have her shitty husband who, in addition to being neglectful, is really fucking abusive to her. Yeah. Talks down to her constantly, is rude and critical and just an all-around dick. Yeah, yeah. They should just switch. And we'll get to why they should switch later. Because basically, God, I don't know why we need to do later. There's no more fucking movie. At the end of the movie, the bishop's like, my wife is getting stolen away by an angel. What can I do? And Monty Woolery, who played the old man in the weird film where an old man helped a bunch of orphaned kids get to England during World War II, during the fall of France. Wait, he was in that? Yeah, I think he was. Wasn't he the lead in that? Maybe, but I don't think so. He was the grandfather in Since You Went Away. Oh, yeah, he was the in the Pied Piper. Okay. I completely forgot that that movie was called that. I did, too. Okay, yes. <laughs> yes, no, you're right. He was also that. Okay. And the grandfather in Since You Went Away, which is what I immediately recognized him from. But I knew we'd seen him in more than one thing. I just couldn't figure out what the other thing was. Anyway, he's actually a pretty good casting for an old professor who can never get around to writing his history of the fall of the Roman Empire. But, like, also his plot doesn't matter a singular fucking bit, so whatever. It doesn't matter, but it's also the only part of the movie I enjoyed in the least. (laughs) For sure. Well, that's not true. I mean, the various dates were like, these are cute dates, I guess. But when I know that what I am cheering on is the reconciliation of husband and wife, I really don't want to constantly think how much better her life would be if she just dumped her shitty husband and decided to have an angel as a partner. Yeah. It's also weird because not just because he's trying to steal another man's wife, but because he's utterly unhelpful. Cary Grant seems like a real fucking dick of an angel, but like he's being a dick to a guy who's also a dick. And then all anybody can say is that Loretta Young is like the greatest human being who ever existed And she certainly seems better than her husband, but he's like, you know, some people will never age and just have the spirit of life within them and are the greatest humans ever. And it's like, she just wears nice hats and takes her daughter out to play. Like, I don't understand what's so great about her. (laughs) 
she is great in comparison to everybody else here, but she is treated like she is a singular figure in human history great, you know? Yeah. In a way that's just weird. Yeah, she's nice, and she enjoys, you know, ice skating. Woo! Woo! Anyway, the bishop finally is like, hey, stop trying to fuck my wife, and Cary Grant goes, well, fair's fair, I'm an angel, and angels probably shouldn't try and fuck people's wives. And then I'm going now. And the bishop's like, wait, weren't you supposed to help me with literally anything? And he goes, didn't I? And then leaves, having not helped with anything. Uh, He did write his Christmas sermon. That sermon, by the way, we are agreed. That sermon sucks, right? That sermon totally sucks. Um, like... (laughs) And honestly, I'm a little bit insulted. Like, I'm not even Episcopalian or Anglican, but I have back in my family tree somewhere relatives who were, and I'm insulted on their behalf. I feel like the Anglican church is usually pretty good about some good literary references or something. And this was, this is the story of an empty stocking that happened in a manger. And I'm like, what? No. Maybe the emptiest stocking of all is the stocking for Jesus. <laughs> right. Put like... a little sock out for Christ. Peace <laughs> out. This is how we're ending our movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like I said, they took all of the wrong lessons from It's a Wonderful Life. The angel parts were not the best parts. No. In this one, there is a fun movie here that's almost like the young priest of an angel going around sort of helping to miraculously solve people's problems. And Cary Grant is just so charming that he just sort of ingratiates himself into people's lives and makes things better. But that is all side business that takes up maybe five minutes of the movie around him trying to fuck this bishop's wife. And it's wild. I mean, I don't know that he's trying. I mean... He's trying to take her away, but as soon as she's like, nah, I'm gonna stay with my husband, even though he sucks, he he goes, all right, I'm out. Bye. I think the thing that makes me think, hey, what the fuck, is when he pulls the angel prank where the bishop can't get out of his chair just so he can go on an ice skating date with the dude's wife. That makes me be like, hey, what's happening here? Yeah, it's kind of like the thing that he did that helped the bishop out, aside from writing his shitty sermon, is made his wife feel good long enough to not just dump his sorry ass. So also we need to get into, now that we've done the plot, we need to get into the mechanics of angel miracles. Because, what the fuck? (laughs) Because Cary Grant explicitly says that basically all inspiration is actually angels coming and telling you what to do. And then you forget the angel after they leave. Which they do. Right. In fact, the bishop doesn't even know that this is not the sermon that he wrote. Right. He thinks he wrote it. He seems momentarily confused and then goes, Must be mine. Christ suck? Great. Let's do it. The mechanics of that seem extremely complicated to me in the sense of like so what do they remember does she remember her husband taking her on a bunch of great dates like why is their relationship in any way improved by this Hmm. 
Yeah, we actually don't see her after he leaves. Right. I can't answer that question at all. <sighs> yeah, and like, I get that this is me being kind of nitpicky, but it ends up being weirdly important because of this explanation of how angel bullshit works. Essentially, Cary Grant's the only person with free will in this movie. Wow, that is... The thing is that you're right, but you just made my head explode because who makes that movie? Yeah, right. Like, that is totally not intentional. That is totally not a read this movie wants you to come away with. But I do end up thinking, like, so does he just magically make everybody decide what he wants them to have decided about what just happened? Because otherwise, this ending is very bad for everyone. <laughs> Like, everyone is miserable now. Yeah. And if he did do that, then why didn't he just do that in the fucking first place? It is extremely good that this movie makes sure that you know that he is explicitly actually magical, because otherwise it really seems like he's talented Mr. Ripley-ing this dude. <laughs> and it is wild. And I do think a great deal of it would be fixed if they just switched David Niven and Cary Grant's casting. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because David Niven is all erudite, snotty British or transatlantic, not really clear on what his accent exactly is. And I feel like also it would be much more believable that she would opt for her husband over this literal magical being if, you know, her husband were Cary Grant instead of this snooty uptight asshole <laughs> right we've seen Cary Grant play a worse human being than this bishop and bring it back Philadelphia story yep and like additionally I think David Niven would play the angel better the angel's name is Dudley by the way which hey what the fuck yeah who names an angel Dudley I kept waiting for it to be like it's short for Deuteronomy or something and it's just like nah my name's Dudley What's up? I'm an angel of the Lord. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Dudley is, as written, I think supposed to kind of discover he's in love with the bishop's wife in Act 3. But Cary Grant plays it as like, who's this hot bitch? From minute <laughs> one, he's got eyes on her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the problem, right? You can't erase that from Cary Grant, apparently. Right. That he's just always on the make, that he is there to seduce your wife or his ex-wife, someone else's future supposed-to-be wife. Yeah. This movie is a fucking mess. I guess I didn't feel any stakes in it at all because I wasn't cheering for anybody. Yeah. Oh, her husband sucks. You know, actually what I was cheering for is that she walks out the fucking door and takes... Zuzu from It's a Wonderful Life. They literally cast one of the kids as her kid in this movie and just goes and lives a much happier life with someone who isn't a total dick to her all the time because he wants to build a cathedral. Yeah, I think the thing that still would be wrong with this movie, if we were talking about the hypothetical version where Cary Grant and David Niven switched parts, is that the act three romantic comedy fight for her thing is he fights with the angel and not for her. Like, he doesn't do anything to make her happy, to improve their relationship. He just goes, hey, stop it, to an angel. 
and doesn't do anything to improve his own behavior or make himself a better match for his wife. No, at all. It's just, hey, get out of here because you're ruining everything. And it's really telling that we don't ever see her again after Dudley the Angel leaves. Yeah. Has this entire movie where this person has been an absolute heel whenever we have seen them, which has been rarely, and where most of the movie is taken up by Dudley taking his wife on dates, been about making this guy's life better and not, you know, the wife? Yeah. What the fuck? Uh so apparently this got remade with Denzel Washington, and for various reasons I would watch that. The Preacher's Wife, yeah. It's supposed to be like a relatively good film. And Whitney Houston is the wife. Right. And like, one, if you spent the movie telling me Whitney Houston was the greatest living woman and one of the great humans of all time, I'd be like, yeah, it checks out. Right. But two, <laughs> it also seems way more like it was always part of Dudley's plan to do this intentionally to get the preacher to like come back to his senses to figure out what's really important. That's what I thought was going on in this movie. But Dudley explicitly is like, no, I actually did want to hook up with your wife and I need to like go take some me time and think about how that makes me a bad angel. Anyway, bye. He was not planning to help the bishop in any way with that. Yeah. Ugh. This kind of is the first movie I wanted to bingle Lancer, not because it's the worst movie we've watched in like over a year or anything, but just because it's so boring and such a misfire that it's just like, I watched the Bo Burnham special. It's pretty good. Can't we talk about anything else? <laughs> but see, I didn't watch the Bo Burnham special, so. Yeah, that's that does kind of heck it up. I mean, I can watch it, you know. I would recommend it. It's pretty good. It's kind of the only art about the quarantine that I think is good that I've seen. And it's also kind of, as a result, the last art about the quarantine I ever want to see. Well, uh, it won't be. Yeah, no, for sure. We're going to get a thousand, like, my lonely year. And then they'll all be nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> God, Christ. When I have to watch a bunch of quarantine art in 2032... As we ride through the climate caravan or whatever. <sighs> anyway, this movie's like a three. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. The practical effects, I think, are the only thing that pull it up. It does have some very old school live action Disney magic in it. Oh yeah, no, I love hand animated over live action bullshit. When he makes the whole card catalog fly through the room, bed knobs and broomsticks style, I'm like, fuck yeah. Is that what this movie is? The answer is no. Nope. <laughs> the answer is he does that twice. I mean, there's a couple of other things, too, that happen that are, are little magic things. But is it enough to carry me through this whole film? No. No. Obviously, don't watch it. No. Maybe watch the remake, because, like, Denzel Washington's always good. The worst Denzel Washington movie, or, like, Denzel Washington's here, though. Yes. So here's the question. Mm -hmm. What was the best movie of this year, though? Because Gentleman's Agreement won. <sighs> Was it Crossfire? I was thinking about this. I feel like it's Crossfire. I feel like it's Crossfire too. I feel like Gentleman's Agreement is definitely the second best film in here. Yeah. Like, I can't be mad at it. Gentleman's Agreement is more of an Oscar movie, and that actually is kind of a thing. 
I understand how the Academy got there. Message movie, give it an Oscar. Yeah, it does feel like there was some more thought put into it than just that. (laughs) Right. But I feel like with the benefit of hindsight, I feel like Crossfire aged a little better than Gentleman's Agreement. Yeah, except for the part at the end. But, you know. Right. Um, But there's also the part in the middle of Gentleman's Agreement. So. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Crossfire also manages to do something that is pretty difficult, which is be an entertaining message movie. Yeah. Where you don't just know what every single beat is going to be. And for that to be true 70 years later is very impressive. Yeah. I'm looking at it and trying to do just a full ranking. And I think it's Crossfire, Gentleman's Agreement, Miracle on 34th Street, Great Expectations, Bishop's Wife? I feel like that makes sense. I feel like there's a big drop-off, though, between Gentleman's Agreement and Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, oh for sure. <laughs> we need to be explicit about that. I really was struggling for a second of, like, is Great Expectations better than Miracle on 34th Street? No, they both suck. <laughs> like, on a certain level, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, neither one of them is terribly good. Yeah. But of all of the movies in this year, I would say the only two that are even worth watching are Crossfire and maybe Gentleman's Agreement. Yeah, I honestly think only Crossfire is worth watching. Yeah. Gentleman's Agreement is worth, like, knowing about. Yeah, I think that's a little <laughs> bit more accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... Next week, we are starting up 1948. Hell yeah. With The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Two movies this year I'm interested in, but the only one I think is actually, like, going to be good. Because I think that Hamlet's going to be very bad. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Laurence Olivier as Hamlet. Well, I mean, maybe it's great and just feels super dated. That's possible. Because it is supposedly one of the best Hamlets ever. But, you know, just because people say that. <laughs> I was about to say, isn't that Henry V supposed to be like the canonical Henry V? And we just like went to town on that thing for an hour? No, they hated it in England. They didn't even hate it. They just didn't pay any attention to it at all. All right. Yeah. Maybe it's way better. We'll find out the week after this because it's our second movie. Yeah. And then after that is a bunch of stuff that I have never heard of and I'm a little bit nervous about. But... Sometimes that ends up being the better stuff. Here's the thing. All of the posters for those rule in the way that they're all really bad, but they all remind me of like third rate novel covers from the 80s from like when I was a little kid. Oh, yeah. Like airport novels. Yeah. Like the snake pit (laughs) is what looked like every book in my grandpa's study, you know, when I was like just a tiny little kid and barely knew how to read so maybe they'll be amazing is what i'm hearing i hope so i hope they have that energy to the movie and not just the poster but yeah i am excited to watch treasure of the sierra madre because i've never actually seen it i haven't either and i do love humphrey bogart so yeah tune in next week to find out how that goes and uh until then this was (sighs) yeah What was this? This was an angel trying to bang a dude's wife. What the hell, Hollywood? Like, <laughs> Yeah, what did the, the, whatever, the American Catholic League that would grade movies? I want to know what they gave this movie. The weirdest thing about it is that it is known 
also sort of like colloquially as Carrie and the Bishop's Wife. This movie specifically knows its draw is everybody, even married women, want to bang Carrie Grant. Except she resists that temptation entirely, so. Right. Maybe she is actually the greatest woman who ever lived for that reason. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that checks out. I understand why you don't make the movie where the angel does get to hook up with the bishop's wife, but it does feel like the Hayes Code completely destroyed the only thing potentially interesting about this, which is the love triangle. Yeah. By going like, well, obviously it can never actually look like they're going to commit adultery. (sighs) Anyway, bye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye. All the stockings are filled. All that is except one and we have even forgotten to hang it up a stocking for the child born in a manger it's his birthday we're celebrating don't let us ever forget that let us ask ourselves what he would wish for most and then let each put in his share loving kindness warm hearts and a stretched out hand of tolerance. All the shining gifts that make peace on earth.